What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. Have fun and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. the Bible Live Quiz Show. We're glad to have you on board with us. Jacob is back in town. He got that daughter of his married, and uh, they've endured that that troublesome first week of marriage, right, Jacob? So oh, yeah, yeah. They're doing fine now, though, right? So oh, yeah. They're on the right track. Yeah. And, uh, Wait a minute. You touched buttons, Soapy. I did something, right? I said don't touch buttons. You touched buttons. Oh, I only touched the microphone buttons, though. That's, uh, that's Okay, what... well, something crackled in my ears. All right, well, I'm sorry about that. Let me see. Um, 
Okay, I think we're good to go. We are here. We've got our questions in front of us. All of our readings this past week on the Bible Live program came from the Old Testament, came from the Hebrew Scriptures, the uh, and specifically, oh, that's what my problem is. Ah. <laughs> I'm sitting here kind of wondering, why am I not hearing? I've, that That's a funny thing I did, Jacob. Yes. Uh, it's a funny thing you did. Such I, a, I, I such an experienced funny. veteran radio. I put the wrong headphones. <laughs> I put it. I set the sitting here over the table, and they went the right. Well, ones that's up. why you kept turning turning yeah, them up. And I, that's I, why I mine kept getting louder because you gotcha. had the wrong earphones. Well, here we are. We're ready to go. All of our readings came from the Book of Isaiah, chapters fifteen through thirty nine, and so we're going to try to get to know this great uh, Hebrew prophet tonight. We're going to try to learn a little bit about him and about the times in which he ministered. That He had a long, long uh, time of ministry and uh, pro- prophesying in the Old Testament. The, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, J- Jacob, he, yes. he uh, ministered during the time, uh, it seems like even upwards of half a dozen different leaders that were in. He was very well connected. Yeah, he 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 had a long ministry. Uh-huh. Uh, he started in. Um, let me see. He started. Uh, he became a prophet in seven hundred and forty years before Christ, and he continued his ministry through six eighty one. So that look at that. How long that is? That's a long forty plus nineteen. That's fifty nine years that this man uh, preached. And influenced the nation. He he was the prophet in the time of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hosea, the king of Israel. Uh, he was he was the prophet when uh, the northern ten tribes fell uh, to the Assyrians when Samaria was uh, destroyed, and the Assyrians took the people from the northern ten tribes, took them captive, and never to be reconstituted uh, as an, as a people group as a nation again. Hezekiah became king of Judah. And remember that Hezekiah had a very uh, interesting time, a, a reign as well. That was when Sennacherib came from uh, uh, Assyria and surrounded uh, Jerusalem and put them under siege. Uh, and we remember that in, in 700, somewhere around 700 BC. Manasseh, this terribly wicked king, became a king of Judah. Uh, in 697, and in Isaiah's ministry, ended in 681. Now, isn't it Manasseh who is, it is said, is the one who is, um, at least tradition or some some tradition, I don't know if it's Jewish tradition or just uh, history, history, uh, traditional understood among historians, that it was Manasseh who actually uh, killed Isaiah, right? He put him in a log and cut him in half? That is certainly is a popular, I, I don't have any verification of that, but that is a popular story. Yeah, and it's mentioned, uh, not that specific event, and not Isaiah by name, but in the book of Hebrews, I think it's mentioned that yeah. the, some were sawed in half, and some, you know, they talks about the sufferings and the problems that the, uh, the people of Israel, particularly those uh, great prophets and spiritual leaders who often suffered greatly because of their courage in uh, confronting the uh, political powers and economic powers and so on, confronting them with the message of God. 
And uh, they often had, well, like Jeremiah, who's called the weeping prophet, they often paid a price for their boldness in preaching God's messages. So, uh, Well, something you might be interested uh-huh. in, nowhere in the book of Isaiah, it's considered a book of consolation in the Jews, Jewish world, uh-huh. because he's always talking, hey, don't worry, things are going to come out okay in the end. But... Here's the interesting thing. Nowhere in the book of Isaiah does he actually speak of the exile. Nowhere. What he does speak about is the judgment against the attacking nations and some grievances that God has to do with, you know, the northern ten tribes. Isn't that interesting? So Isaiah doesn't mention the 70 years? No, that's Jeremiah. Jeremiah, okay. Uh, Does Isaiah mention... uh, the the recovery coming back. Yes. Well, he mentions the punishment that the ten tribes got coming. Uh-huh. He mentions the punishment of the nations that punished the northern ten tribes. But does isn't he the one that mentions Cyrus by name? Uh, he does mention Cyrus. That Cyrus will be right. the one who but, is, but to is, that particular, is called a savior. He's called right. a Messiah, I believe. Uh, yeah, you better. Yeah, you probably ought to explain that because probably a lot of your listeners don't know that, but I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. I only got it from you, so I'm showing oh, off. Oh, tonight. so blame me. I'm showing off uh, that that the uh, word used. Well, he is. He is a, that's that, right. And Cyrus God uses him as a tool right. to restore the people of Israel back. So uh, he talks about being restored back to the land, but he never actually talks about the the uh, being taken away into exile itself. He doesn't uh, talk about the exile itself. There you go. He talks about being restored. That's right. Isn't that something? Yeah, and a lot of people don't ever catch that. And you're right. Cyrus has actually used the Hebrew word that he's for Messiah, Moshiach. It's actually called a Moshiach, a, a Messiah. And, of course, I guess we'd, especially in the Christian realm, we'd like to call it uh, not the, but a Messiah, but uh, but it is fascinating that we don't have an actual reference to the exile, but we do have the punishments of the ten tribes. We do have the punishments of the uh, nations uh-huh. that do this bad stuff to Israel, and so you know, as was done to them, so shall be done to them. Well, maybe we'll learn a lot from um, from Isaiah. I think. I've always thought of Isaiah as very interesting in the sense that his his book, of course, I have to remember that Isaiah didn't, he didn't create the chapters, right? He didn't write his book in chapters. and. Well, I just happened to know, and Hebrew is called the parasha. Yeah. And those are what loosely what you and I would call chapters. But let's see, in the 12th century, I believe, A.D., or as the Jews say, uh B.C. Uh-huh. Um, or BCE or yeah, uh, before the, the, the common calendar. whatever uh-huh. it is. I remember yeah. the, so um, he were they about the twelfth twelve hundreds. The chapters were added late in the thirteen hundreds. Uh, the verses were added. So those were much later additions. Right. Now today, uh, the Jewish Bible still retains the parasha, the breakdown of the Hebrew way. But for convenience sake, they also have adopted and used the chapters and verses so we're able to communicate. Great. Well, I'm glad they do that so we can communicate. Uh, the, the thing that interests me about Isaiah in that sense is that there are 66 chapters and of course, there's what we understand in the uh, the most common 
uh, canon of the Old and New Testaments, the, the Bibles that we have in our homes, there are 66 books. And the first 39 chapters of the, of the book of Isaiah have a very they, – they speak principally – of judgment, they speak principally of God's moving and God's judging sin, both in the people of uh, of Israel and the northern ten tribes, of people of Judah. He talks to the the people, the uh, countries and nations around that surround Israel in that in that time, and so there are these these pronouncements of God's judgment and calling upon the people to repent to return to God. Well, then that's the first thirty nine chapters, and then this, the last twenty seven chapters. The, the emphasis changes fairly clearly. It becomes a, a message of comfort, of encouragement, uh, and the idea that God is going to restore you. You, you, uh, you know that it's comfort and encouragement for the people of God, for those who love God. That that for Him to tell them, you know, don't worry, I've got you in my hand. I will take care of you. We, you will experience um, restoration and bliss, and you know, with me. And and I've always thought those sixty six chapters of of Isaiah to some degree parallel uh, slightly uh, in a way that kind of the the revelations of the of the Old and New Testaments that there's. Just in the broadest sense, I, I I know that grace and mercy and God's kindness and love and goodness is spoken of throughout the Hebrew Scriptures as well. Uh, but there is often these these great prophets talking about repent, return to God, and so on. Uh, and, and we have the, the, in the first 39 books of the Bible. And then, of course, with coming of Messiah, the emphasis shifts to harvest. The emphasis shifts to salvation, to restoration, to calling upon people to come, you know, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Calling people to, to repentance and to be restored to our relationship with God. So in some ways, I've seen the book of Isaiah as a little bit of a micro picture of the whole picture of the entire well, Bible. Is there anything to that? Step. That really is just me, though. I, I've never heard anyone no, else. No, no, no. Would that be It's inaccurate? not just you. Really? Yeah. It's just you here tonight. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I stand alone tonight. <laughs> no, but have you ever, I mean, has that ever been uh, oh, mentioned listen, in your... Everything has been discussed. Okay. But I will tell you this, um, uh, something interesting. Since you're talking about the ten tribes, uh-huh. and that's in Isaiah, correct? Right, exactly. Uh Uh Well, you know, now I read this as a Jewish reader, not as a Christian reader. I approach Uh it with that. You're familiar with in the the Gospels. Well, can I can I suggest a change in that verbiage? Not as a Gentile reader. Oh, okay. Not necessarily just Christian, but all right, I'll go for that. Okay. Okay. So. You're familiar with the story in the Gospels about uh, the guy that walks away and the brides and the ten brides and five have some oil in their lamps yes. and five not. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, I know the Christians, and I, I, I always look and see how Christians interpret things because I tend to take things perhaps from a Jewish perspective a little differently. That, from a Jewish perspective, would definitely be talking about the messing ten tribes. Ah, interesting. Yes, and I, and that's something that Christians always say. I think say, you've Isn't mentioned that, that to me before, yeah. So, and why is that? Because in these, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they actually use the word that when the ten tribes return, they will be referred to, because they have now been cleansed so from their sins, shall we say, and they are referred to in Hebrew as the ten virgins, because they're returning as purity. So, 
and if it's something you may or may not be interested in, but what the heck. And chapter 35, verse of 8. Isaiah? Of Isaiah. Oh, okay. It's in the ballpark. That's uh, in our yeah. target passage. That's right. Tonight. You're doing 15 through uh, something tonight. 39. Uh-huh. So in verse 35, verse 8. I will tie something together here for you, I hope. Chapter 35, verse 8. Yes. Would you like to read yours, and then we'll talk about it. Well, verse 8 says, oh, I I like this Uh, verse. uh, Uh, um, I hesitate to read it kind of out of context, but here we go. It says, and a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named, that road will be named, the Highway of Holiness. Ah. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Now, uh, that's right. So it reads, the road will be called the Holy Way, and no one is unclean. Now, are you familiar with, in the book of, say, Matthew, when Jesus' father takes him down to Egypt, and he comes back on the road from Egypt to Israel? Is that the road that is called that yes, is referred sir. to here? That is right. Okay. And it's referred to here because, you see, the first requirement. Now, I know this is something that most Christian readers don't pick up on, and I'm not sure it's important. Uh-huh. But it's interesting. So what's happening is this is the road that the ten tribes were led away on into captivity. Aha! And what Up to must Nineveh? Yeah, exactly right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what the Messiah must do is lead them back on that road. So when it, I know it's, it looks like he's a young man, but when he's leading them back on that road, he's fulfilling the first requirement in the Jewish world. The very first requirement of the Messiah is that he leads them back on that road. Now, people tend to read that as just something interesting history, I know, in the Christian world, but it's not in the Jewish mind. That is the very first biblical requirement of the Messiah. And what is planted along that road? Uh, uh, good dandelions. <laughs> yes, you're right again. It's the tomb of Rachel. Rachel. Oh, yes, yeah, Rachel was uh, crying. Excellent, yes, excellent, excellent. Yes. And she's buried there. And it says something about, and remember in Matthew, Rachel weeping for her children. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Why is she weeping? Because Jacob planted her, buried her there, uh-huh. so that she was weeping for her children when they were led away in the future. It's a prophecy. And then it says, your weeping will come to an end. Because when they, your children return. So, and when do they return? By the very first biblical requirement of the Messiah. And that is built in, in the story of Jesus, into the Gospel of Matthew Uh for the Christian reader. But if nobody's ever shared that point of view and that information, people read that as that's just some kind of history. And they won't recognize it, yeah, as as part of the... uh, Do you you find that interesting? I found it incredibly interesting. And that, uh, frankly... The whole book of Isaiah, if you really get to it, has uh, they all have these wonderful perspectives. Uh, even the chapter you just talked about, a great road will go through that once deserted land, and we named the Highway of Holiness. But if you look just before that in its context, 
it's talking about God is hoping of the hope for restoration and God is giving hope and encouragement to his people. He said uh, the the deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. The Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. So with this news, he says, strengthen those who have tired hands. Encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And and look at this verse 5. And when he comes, in other words, it becomes a pronoun now, he, an individual. When he comes, Mm -hmm. he will open the eyes of the blind. He will unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness. Streams will water the wasteland, and so on. And you remember that it was John the Baptist who had his doubts about Jesus. Even after he had baptized him and all, he he sent his disciples to to Jesus and said, Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are we to look for another one? In in Luke chapter 7, and this seems to be the very passage that Jesus sends a message back to John. He says, don't you see the, the, the blinders, the eyes of the blind are open, the, the deaf now hear, the lame are leaping and dancing with joy. And he refers to this passage here in, in Isaiah that to confirm to John the Baptist that he indeed is that Redeemer, that Savior, that Messiah. Uh, I, I find that extremely interesting in, in the context of, of the passage about it, it's all about God's restoring uh, his people. Right, I mean that that's the whole message, is that God is restoring, He is promising, and giving encouragement and hope to His people that He will keep them and restore them, even after they've gone through uh, terrible suffering or even after they may have gone through judgment and discipline, that He will restore them. Isn't that, the, generally speaking, the idea in that? Maybe in that chapter, maybe in, oh, the, yeah. in the entire book of Isaiah. No, well, the whole thing is, as I say, it's a book of consolation. In other words, you're, you will be taken care of ultimately. Uh-huh. And so, the, however, there is some punishment for your sins, the yeah. ten tribes. And then, of course, there's punishment for the ten, all the nations that attacked. Yeah. And that is considered uh, more or less a prophecy. Now, here's an interesting quote. Uh, what about this? Why is the book Isaiah in our Bible? If that's already fulfilled, why is it in our Bible? Why is Jeremiah, but in particular, Isaiah? If that's over and done with, why is What do you is mean? That? Are you talking about the exile and the, and the, and the restoration? Yes. If that's uh-huh. done and over, why is it in the Bible? Right. Well, See, there were twi- twice as many prophets, maybe more, in Israel at the time of Isaiah, Jeremiah, etc. Right. But they're not all the writings are not included in the Bible. There's no, the reason not. that they were selected to be included in the Jewish Tanakh, the Bible, what you call the Old Testament. Okay, why them? Uh, because those things were yet to be fulfilled in the future. The other prophets, their items were all fulfilled. And so these were relevant to something in the future. Right. They did refer to, oh, I see, the restoration from the exile. Uh-huh. And then also some of the some of the prophecies were f- fulfilled, we believe, in, in the long sure. term, not just restoration to the land of Israel by the people of Israel, but for the people of God being restored uh, there and the redemptive plan of God through the Messiah, the through all the nations and that sort of thing. I, I, I see it. I would have guessed what you just said that that uh, because of their prophetic. Uh, I, I would have guessed that it was because of the prophetic nature that 
they actually tell the future. Right? Um, Both Isaiah and Jeremiah. Is. Yeah. And this and from this and Jeremiah and Daniel we get Ooh, wow. ideas of what's going to happen. And this is where people interpret sometimes very uh with great imagination, sometimes literally, uh-huh. of what we call the now the Jews don't say the end of time. The Jews always use the word end of days. End of days. In yes. uh in the Christian world, they say the end of time, you know, that kind of thing. End but times, yeah. End uh-huh. times, exactly. But the Jews weren't end of days. Why end of days? Because the days is what was made first. And then the seventh day is God rested. So the days come as a sort of like a shell of creation, you might say. And when the day, the bracket, the shell goes away, the end of days is done but not the end times, because God never ends. Huh. I thought I thought you might be talking about the Jewish propensity to see cycles, to see. It is. And uh, in, in the end of uh, maybe days would be uh-huh. these cycles or, or kind of. Well, I, I will, circle of events that tend is. to repeat themselves. And I will themselves. tell you this: if you use the Jewish mathematics on this. Believe it or not, there's a mathematical way. I'm not going to, I know you're, you're, you're very good at math, but I won't. But, <laughs> I'm good uh, at arithmetic. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. But uh, here's, some, here's something interesting. If you use those seven days and do the, the biblical Jewish way of doing the mathematics, I'm about to shock you. Are, are you ready? Okay, I think I am. Um, it is comes out some uh, 13 and a half million days. Exactly what scientists, and I always listen to these guys on these talk shows and stuff, so I say, well, it's seven days and the world's been here. Actually, from the creation of Adam right now, it has been here 5,575 years. 5,000 in the Jewish calendar, yeah, this is the year 5575. But if you do the mathematics, it comes out that way. So it doesn't mean that the world lasted that long, but the like the acceleration, remember, it says both in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, each day is like a thousand years. thousand years, yes. So that if you do the mathematics the way the old sages did, the old Jewish sages, it comes out to almost what scientists say today, and I have yet to hear anybody bring that up on any of these debates. Except Jim... Uh, Jacob. Jacob. Except Jacob. Well, I, and, and I'm sharing it with you right, right here for the first time on, on Sophie's Show. On the Bible Line. Thanks, folks, for joining us. Don't go away. 340-9585 is our phone number. If you'd like to weigh in, give us some of your thoughts or answer some of the questions we're going to put out right after this break. It's Flash Time. Get a jump on your summer fun with Splashtown, San Antonio's favorite family water park, featuring 20 acres with 40 water slides, a half-million-gallon wave pool, a quarter-mile-long Siesta del Rio, the ever-famous dive-in movies every Friday night, and more. Splashtown is just three minutes north of downtown on I-35 with plenty of free parking. For hours, rates, or advanced discount tickets, surf on over to SplashtownSA.com. A new wave of fun at Splashtown. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. 
Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. There is This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. He's not finished with me yet. He's not finished, he's with, not finished me with me yet. yet. And I'm pretty sure he's not finished with Jacob either because Jacob, he's got a lot more work to do on Jacob than he has to do on me still. So, so you're um, saying I have more potential. Uh, right, more potential. That, that's the way to look at it. Glass half full, right? You're the, you're uh, well, the, the, all that means, if your glass is half full, do you know what that really means? What does that mean? That means you just got too big of a glass. <laughs> you should have gotten a smaller glass. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, there's a take on there. There, They have the Jewish traditional view of the glass half full, the glass half empty uh, sayings, right? Well, we are back. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show, and we are finally going to get to some quiz questions. Uh, I'm going to give you some questions from Psalms 105 and 106. Those are the two psalms we read during our wisdom and worship segments. And then um, we have some questions to you as well from Isaiah chapters 15 through 39. That ends chapter 39. Is that that that's where that great separate that kind of a theme change takes place in the book of Isaiah, generally speaking, at chapter 39. In chapters 40 and through 66, it turns 
uh, to, in a bigger, major way to the theme of redemption and restoration and hope and encouragement, uh, as opposed to the messages of, of judgment and calling upon the people to uh, repent uh, from sins and so on, uh, that is a little bit more prominent in the opening chapters, uh, chapters 1 through 39. But here we have some uh, questions for you. In Psalm 105, which I think is a very interesting psalm because it, it reviews to some degree, some degree the history uh, of uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. It reviews some of the history of the, the uh, people of Israel. I want you to name just one. Name one of the patriarchs of Israel mentioned in Psalm 105. Name just one of them. You don't have to name all of them. A number of them are mentioned. Uh, don't you think it's an easy question, Jacob? I you? think it's okay. a safe guess. Somebody's going to get that one. Name one of the several patriarchs of Israel mm-hmm. mentioned in Psalm 105. And also uh, in Psalm 105, one of the uh, stories that it covers and reviews in poetic form, of course, there in the Psalms, mm-hmm. is the experience of uh, the people of Israel down in Egypt when uh, Joseph went down into Egypt leading the way, and then the people went down, and they, they spent 400 and something years, I think it is, down in Egypt. And then God uh, used this man named Moses to call them out of that um, servitude, out of that bondage of slavery in Egypt, and uh, took them out to Mount Sinai, and they began their adventure of restoration and becoming... uh, You know, a lot of people thought Moses was crazy, you know. Is that right? Yeah, they thought he was a basket case from the beginning. Ah, he was. He was Uh, a basket case. By the way, did you know that Moses talked like Elvis Presley? He talked? Like Elvis Presley. How's that? Well, he said, Oh, oh, Pharaoh, you can do anything but stay off of my subdued juice. My subdued Jews. Yeah, that's what I play Instead on Instead of your blue suede shoes. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, okay. Well, name one of the plagues, because it reviews that the history of the time in, in Egypt as well, in Psalm 105. Name just one of the plagues that are mentioned in Psalm 105 that God sent to judge Egypt and ultimately caused Pharaoh to release the people of Israel. Name one of the plagues mentioned in in Psalm 105. Now, not all ten plagues are mentioned, so you can't just, if you take a guess with one of the ten plagues, you might pick one of the plagues that's not mentioned in Psalm 105. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful there. That, that's the question. Uh-huh. Name one of the plagues mentioned in Psalm 105 that God sent to judge Egypt and ultimately caused the Pharaoh mm-hmm. to release the Israelites. Let me give you one more question from the Psalms. I'll jump down into Psalm 106. When, when Israel sinned against God at Meribah, uh, Psalm 106, verse 32, Israel sinned against God at Meribah through their, their complaining and their grumbling. What did Moses do that got him in serious trouble with the Lord? I guess that's a way to, one way to say it. Uh, what did Moses do that got him in trouble with the Lord? And it actually resulted in him not being to enter, not being able to enter into the promised land himself. Uh, he was he was prohibited and died uh, on the other side of the Jordan, outside of the promised land. When Israel sinned against God at Meribah, look in Psalm one hundred six, verse thirty two. What it what did Moses do that got him in serious trouble 
with the Lord. All right? Mm-hmm. You can uh, answer those questions. Give us a call. Hey, Sophie, 340-9585. We're, we're loading up on callers. Maybe they want some psalm answers. All right. Well, let's go let, Let's go to Fernando first then. Fernando, thank you for hanging on there. We wanted to get some questions out on the airways before we got over to you. Maybe you'd like to answer some of those for us. You, or you may have a comment uh, about uh, the earlier things that Jacob was sharing about uh, the book of Isaiah. Can you hear me? Just fine. Thank you. Good, good. Uh, who, who's the, your friend there, Jacob? Jacob is here with me, and this is Soapy. Hi, hi Jacob. Hi, Soapy Dollar. Hello good to hear there, you, uh, Fernando. Fernando, yes. Um, uh, one of the plagues that uh, that God um, put on Egypt was uh, the death of the firstborn that released the um, the children of Israel. You got it exactly right. That's uh, that's the last one that's mentioned actually there in Psalm. That is the last one. Yes. Yes, Psalm one hundred five. The, the uh, death I, I didn't of really the firstborn. I didn't really call to answer any questions, but I would answer that I'm one. I'm glad you did with that. He, and he's a and I did want to share something okay. with uh, uh, with Jacob. Good. Go for that, it. Um, that, that my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and my King and my God, that uh, when he died, he fulfilled He fulfilled everything. Whether, whether I believe it, you believe it, or anyone believes it, uh, he fulfilled everything. I mean, there's a lot of things that, as far as him restoring uh, in the physical sense, there's a lot of things that, yes, I'm sure need to happen. But he, if, if those need to happen, it's because of his love and his mercy and his grace. But I know that it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. I know Paul says in Christ Jesus, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile. We are all one man in Christ Jesus. He's broken down the wall of separation. Yeah. That's exactly Actually, right. If and I if, might be and so if, bold. And if, anybody, and if anybody does not accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, if you are not born again and you do not accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you happen to die in your sin, you're going to be separated from God the Father. I believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to say I understand everything or I know, know everything, because I do not, but I know Jesus knows everything. I know God knows everything. I know the Holy Spirit knows everything, and it is in Him that I put all my trust and my confidence and faith in. And I don't care who you are. Whether you're a Jew, a Gentile, an African, a Japanese, or whoever you are, or an Apache if you Indian, have to right? die in your sin, and you do not repent, you will be separated from Him. I just call to say that because, in 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 the best way and in the lovingest way that I can say that, because that's what the Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit says, Fernando, if you do not repent of your sins, you will and you die, and you happen to die in your sin, you will be separated from God. And I'm not saying that I'm a perfect man. I am not. But one thing I do do is live my life and try to live my life as the best that I can and and put very close attention to what the Holy Spirit tells me to do and to say. 
Well, there's that, well, Jacob, there's that fervor and that. Yeah. You've always talked about the fervor and the oh, excitement yeah. and the zeal that, sure. that gen, sometimes Gentiles show uh-huh. because the, the beauty and the power of that message of forgiveness and Messiah is so, is so powerful to yeah. us. And I would like to endorse what you just said for uh, certainly uh, uh, for uh, Christian Gentiles or Jewish believers. I, I certainly would agree with you. But I would like to show you, if I may, Fernando, one little technicality that sometimes where words come in and we know the words mean something else, but they don't actually say it. Are you there, Fernando? I'm going to... I'm going to uh, hang up, and I'm going to turn the radio back on and listen to whatever you have to say. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Fernando. Right. Thanks well, for calling. Yeah, and when he says uh, in Sophie, I would point this out. Uh, we all take it when it says Greek, that it means nations, Gentiles, others. But if we read it strictly, now we all know it does not mean this, okay? Uh-huh. But if we read it strictly, it says Jew and Greek. We take it to mean that Greek means all Gentiles, but it really doesn't mean, it doesn't say, it does mean that, I agree with that. But also the Jews, the word Jews also means exactly the same construction and same interpretation as the word Greek. But as Fernando quoted, it says the, there's no Jew and no Gentile. That's really not what Paul said. Paul said Jew or Greek. And we just interpret, well, the Greek must be mean all the Gentiles. Well, what if I said, okay, it's just Jews and Greeks, nobody else. Well, we know it does not mean that. But neither does the word Greek alone mean only Gentiles. The word Jew also is understood among the Jews to be the other nations, the non-Jews, the the word Gentiles. Gentile, you mean Gentile. The word Greek or the word Gentile? Okay, both of them. Because you, said, the, you said Jew, so I wanted I to... did, I, and I did that on purpose. Oh, okay. Because if you read, like Fernando quoted, he said, it's Jew or Gentile. That's not what it says. It says Jew or Greek. Yet if I were to say to you or anybody, well, that only means Jews and Greeks, mm-hmm. we'd all know that I'm wrong. And we are wrong, and I agree that is not what it means. But if we take the word Greek to mean, oh, well, that means all people. That means non-Jews? That means we take it as though it means all people, whether Greek or not. But if you read it literally, it says Jew and Greek. How do you know that the word Jew doesn't include everybody and not just the Greeks? You see, I would like to propose Hmm. that the word Jew means everybody. Because it doesn't. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I do. I do. Sure. And I, because that's a, that's what a, happens is we interpret it and reread it to say what we want it to say. It, what he quoted Paul about. Paul didn't say that. He said Jew or Greek. Yeah. And if we say something absurd, like saying, oh, well, it's just Jews and Greeks, nobody else. Well, that's ridiculous yeah. and absurd. But we say, well, Jew must mean everybody. Well, I would take a different position. I say the word Jew means everybody that obeys the commandments of God and believes in the one God. That is a Jew. And so I say it doesn't just mean Greek. I say Jew means everybody. Okay. Well, I think I'm, I'm following you, and, I, and it's kind of a, an original approach to the idea. Uh-huh. But I'm just of reading, course what, I am just reading what's there. Sure, exactly. It, but what what matters most for our conversation and for what is it, it, what matters most is what did what was Paul? What do you think Paul meant? What was Paul trying to say? 
Uh, I think Paul was absolutely in trying to incorporate everybody, but he was writing to the Greeks in the Greek dominant empire. So he's saying, you guys are included, you Greeks, just like everybody else would be included. But what are they included into? Into the Jews, not into Greeks. And if you read the word literally, the sense literally, it says, Paul says, the verse that uh, Fernando quoted, it says Jew or Greek. It doesn't say nations, doesn't say Gentiles. But By the way, he contrasting, a, isn't Paul in that context, isn't uh, he contrasting the people of the Torah, the people of the law, the uh, people of the true and uh, living God of the sure. Hebrew Scriptures? Right. He's, he's contrasting them as opposed to those who do not have that legacy, that heritage of Scripture and revelation, the special revelation that God gave to and through the uh-huh. people of Israel, well, this nation group. Isn't he contrasting and saying now that there is no longer the separation right? that he uh-huh. is, that we are bringing together yes. the people of God, all of Israel. Yes. Israel now is the yes. broader concept of all the people of God. Right. But if I said all Australians, all Koreans, all Vietnamese, all Austrians, all English, I'm talking about that country. But who are they getting included into? The Jews. But the sentence literally says there is no Jew or Greek. And if I said it does not say nations, it says you Greeks can be part of the Israel. You're the part of, of God. Yeah. Yes. So and, and the people of Israel can be. Well, well, no, no, it doesn't say that. It says exactly the opposite. It says, you are grafted into Israel. Israel's not grafted into the Christians or the other nations. Yeah, but I don't think he's speaking of Israel in that sense uh, as political or or ethnic Israel. No, he's He's talking about about Israel as the... The people of God. He's talking about the people of Those God. Those who truly know God and He's love God. He's talking about yeah. not the DNA is Jew. He's yeah. talking about the Jew as a religion, as a Jewish belief. And that would mean all okay. people of God. So, in other words, let me see if I... In other words, if we try to get at what Paul was saying is that there... Oh, boy, this is this could be... It's not so hard. Do you know why it's so hard for you? Be, there are God-seeking people from, from all of these different backgrounds. Hey, excuse me. Hey, who's up back in line one? I'm sorry. Fernando. Oh, ah. Right, shall we get? Yeah, bring him on there. Yeah. All right. Jacob. There uh, you are, Fernando. Come I'm on, sorry come that on. I misquoted it, but I wanted, to mean exa- I wanted it to mean exactly what you said, because when, when, when we go, the, according to what the Scripture says, when we go to worship God, it says that all nations will bring in their glory to worship yes, God. Yes, it does. And where does that come from, my friend? And and, and, and I want you to know that there, there is a lot of different people, but we're, we're all one. Like I said, yes, I don't understand that it makes, all. I, I agree. See, Fernando, I agree with you. All those nations, they were saved because they believed in Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. And, and what I'm trying to... I'm not trying to make an argument or anything about whether you're better or whether Africa's better or whether Mexico's better or whether United States is better. It's all about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yes, it's and all I about can't disagree him. with you at all, Fernando. In the book of Fernando, can you hear me? I don't disagree with you. Three, anything that you're saying, I respect your beliefs, number one. And I do not really disagree with you. But I am saying that sentence... It says Jew and Greek, 
And that's what we, we all know it doesn't mean just the Jews and the Greeks. We all know that. And the sentence you quoted about all nations, you're quoting the sentence about my house will be a prayer for all nations. And that comes from Isaiah and Jeremiah. And, of course, that was always the plan of God. It was. We see throughout Nobody the was excluded. And, yeah. and so it's Paul, about- as I read it, is saying uh, the Greeks are included. And just like everybody else is included. We are all, all right. one I, in there, Christ Jesus. Understand that, brother. Understand that and believe in Christ, for he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Of course, that obviously that's that we believe is the message of Scripture, but that, that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave or free, uh, all of these designations and things that separate us, the the. Basically, God is now called together in Christ that we have become one, the people of God, those yeah. who truly love and follow after God and trust in his mercy and his grace. Well, his and not just and that. So. I think obey God's commandments. And Fernando, are you there? Okay, he's not there. Okay, Fernando, uh, maybe call again next week when we get a little more time because we've got some other callers. And maybe we can talk about it a little bit more. I'd love to discuss it with you some more, Fernando. Who else do we have on the line all right, let's go and get Steve a chance to weigh in on this matter. We've gotten into kind of a heavy topic here, uh, talking about Isaiah uh, and his message. Of course, we've looked at some of these. We're talking about the pro- prophecies. We're talking about the Messianic prophecies and the other prophecies about nation groups and people groups that would rise and fall. Uh, maybe Steve wants to sound off, or maybe you just want to answer one of our questions for us. How are you doing tonight, Steve? Oh, um, yeah, it's a little hard to hear you on my phone, but um, I was just going to make a comment on what uh, Jacob was talking about right there about the, the Jew and the Greek. Right. Um, uh, I think, you know, if you it starts to get a little bit dangerous there if you're saying that they're, the, it's the, if the Jews are all those that believe in God, because now he's saying that there's no difference between those that believe in God and those that don't believe in God, if you take his interpretation. That's interesting. Clarify that, though. Would you explain it just a little further? I want to make sure everyone gets... I think you've got a good point, and I'm interested in knowing what Jacob... I'm sure you'll have a thought about that as well. When when, when Jacob took that, you know, that Jews includes everybody, and it's not that, you know, there's no Jew or Greek, you know, where usually we say it's Jews are the the ones that have the Torah and have the, the history there. The same Paul that wrote, you know, Romans, where you know he makes a distinction between those that have the law and those that don't have the law. I would say it's more that distinction here as well. But now in Christ in the new covenant, we're all you know at, at the same spot. There's no privilege for you know of having had the law. Or there's no disadvantage to not having had the law. We're all under a new covenant. I like what you're... I like what you're sharing. I think that makes sense to me, Steve. And, and in other words, if I understand what you're saying, depending on how you look at it and think of it, they're both right in a way. Uh, well, the way well, separation. If, if if you say if you say that. Jacob was saying that Jews means everybody yeah. rather than the Greeks means everybody. Uh-huh. But when you when you start put, or the Jews mean those that everybody that now believes in Christ or and uh-huh. and worships the true God, then what does Greeks now mean? If Greeks means those that now don't that don't believe in the new God because he's 
lumped all those people in under Jews, now you're saying that there's no difference between those that believe in the true God and worship Him and those that don't. Okay, uh, Steve, interesting point. I agree agree with Soapy. That's a very interesting take. And I read it as Jews are not, certainly they're a DNA ethnic people. That's true. But the Jewish religion, Judaism, which, you know, Jesus practiced, um, that is not just Jews. That is anybody. And yes, I would have to say, that the Greeks, as I read that sentence, I'm, I'm familiar with the sentence, I've looked at it, and I think it's saying, look, you guys were separated from God. In fact, you'll find that in Ephesians chapter 2, if my memory's working correct. And I believe it's in 14 through 16, if I think, and I think I'm correct. It says, you were once separated from God, now you're with us. And that includes you, you Greeks. And that's, so, yes, if they believed in a different religion, Greek, is not really a religion. It's a nationality. And that's fine. Jews is really a religion. Yeah, it's a faith group. as Well, it is also an ethnic group yeah, and a nationality. It does occur in there. But There's that's no the complication, I think, with the, with the whole terminology. Sometimes it... it it has always intrigued me about the Bible uh, talks about Israel a lot and about Jews a lot. And... And it's and it's, I think it's up to us to to look into the scriptures, look in the context, and when is it talking about the ethnic group, the the political ethnic grouping, the nation, the national entity, uh, of which there are both there are people among the Jewish people who follow after God and yeah, love God. I was going to say, and there are others that did not. There are. Well, I, I would I would say well, one, one of the sense, other groups that are being talked about in this same area. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because I say, you can't I would say suggest, male or female I, or yeah. a religious group. I'm not. And I, no, that's true. And Steve, and Steve and, I realize and so this is if, a different know, take. And I, if it's you know, no Jew, nor Greek, nor male, nor female, nor, you know, all these types of things, you have to have the same types of groups. Huh? So I don't know. Well, um, let me say I, this. I'll just say I disagree with uh, Jacob's interpretation well, here, and I need to I need to get off the line, so right. I'll let you continue. Appreciate your calling, go, Steve. Thanks a lot. Go for it, Jake. Yeah, sure. And I'm not disagreeing with Steve. I am understand. I am agreeing that the word Jews and Greeks intentionally should be interpreted to include everybody. What I'm saying is to say everybody comes under the idea of a national group of Greeks. I think is not really what the sentence is referring to. I think it's referring to that Greeks and English and Australians and Koreans, Vietnamese, everybody becomes part of Israel. And I believe that's yeah. what the sentence well, is referring and to. And there's another, and of course there are other passages where Jesus himself is speaking and talks about those those are not genuinely, truly children of Abraham. In other uh, words, they're not right? truly yes. uh, Jewish or Israel, except it's those who are circumcised in the heart, not yes. in the flesh. And okay. so we've, we've always got that message that, 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 Spirit, there is a spiritual Israel. There is, a, there is a, and those who seek and long after and pursue the true and living God and trusting in His goodness, His mercy, and of course the redemptive plan that He has placed, the his, counting on His forgiveness and His cleansing, the provision of for sin that God is, has made, and of course that brings us to the Messiah, the Redeemer. But the point is, is that there always has been that sense, even in the Old Testament, 
there was a broader sense of Israel than just a people group or a political group or an well, ethnic group. Let's use Isaiah. It was always broader than that. Let's use Isaiah himself. Yeah. I will say in chapter 42 of Isaiah, verse 6. Now we're out of our uh, out of our scheme for tonight. Are we really? We're jumping ahead a little uh, well, bit. But that's all right. Oh, I'll, just, I'll just read it to you then. Okay. <laughs> I, God, have called you, the Jews, in what, righteousness. What verse are you? Uh, 42.6. Okay, thank you. I, God, uh-huh. have called you into righteousness. I took you in my hand. I created you. I made you a covenant people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, release the prisoners from jail, and those who sit in darkness from in the dungeon. Now, I, I'm willing to go with whatever it says, but as I understand it, it's God saying, look, I made you the, I know a lady that uses the term a, uh, a visual aid nation. I like that term. And I read that sentence and uh, many other sentences and say, look, okay, look, everybody that leaves their idols, until they leave their idols, they are not in the people of God. The blood that Jesus Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar, and we are back. Wow, we've gotten into a oh yeah heated discussion yeah. here just in the last uh, yeah. few minutes, yes, and I'm not even sure how we got there. Uh, I'm not sure. In fact, is uh, Soapy Dollar has kind of been left behind in this little. Oh, we would uh, leave you behind. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a, a little bit. I'm a Listen, little there's a book that says you're not left behind. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not talking about left behind in that sense. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how we got into that, but uh, Jacob, you had a thought on that. We're well, talking okay, here during the if break. If I might say this, I will say this. You're I'll, getting a lot of texts oh, and boy, emails I'm getting, now. From, I'm getting a lot of people are mucho, kind of wondering what in the world is going on text, here. What are we emails. What are we saying? Yeah. Okay, one of them says, "I'm confused. Are you saying that the Jews that believe in God are okay, and Greeks are that don't?" I'm saying no. The Greeks had their own religion. They had several gods. They had Zeus. They had uh, Hermes. They Epaphrodites. had Hercules. Not Epaphrodites. Uh, and those other, were not, other gods, yeah. not, not be included into the nation of the Jews or the nation of the Christians. They would not because they're worshiping other gods. So they cannot be. So, yes, I am saying that the Greeks that do not believe in, in this particular case, the God of Israel and Jesus, the Messiah for the Christians, he brought in all nations into the nation of Israel. And the rule is, this is the rule. When you're brought in spiritual Israel. 
Right. Okay. We're spiritual as well, sure. Mm-hmm. And so when you're brought in, the guy that brings you in, sure, you're part of Israel, as you said. But what tribe do you belong to? Well, the guy that brings you in, that's your tribe. So that makes, if you're, if you're believing in Zeus, etc., no, you're not part of Israel. No, you're not part of the Jews. No, you're not a Christian. And so... If you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Messiah brought you in, Jesus, the Messiah, brought the non-Jews in, then you are now, because you're believing in this one single God, now you're included, you're a part, whether you're a Christian, as they call it, Uh because that just means Christ, which Uh means Messiah, and that includes them. So once they've given up those false gods, the Greeks, and they're into the idea of one true God, Yes, they're now included in, as you said, Israel, spiritual Israel. Uh-huh. And what tribe would they belong to? The guy that brought you in, Jesus, was from the tribe of Judah. So you become part of Israel, but you have to know what tribe you're in. You're in his tribe because Jesus was the tribe of Judah. He brought you in that makes you a Jew into Israel. I think everyone would agree with you there because that seems to be exactly what Jesus is saying. It seems to be what Paul says uh, in talking about spiritual Israel, how we've been grafted in, that we've now become a part. Uh, I guess the only clarifying part would be that we are talking about spiritual Israel, and so there are even people... There are even Jews who are of um, uh, who are of political uh, ethnic Israel, uh, ethnically Jews, but but who are not part of spiritual Israel. In other words, there are well, not every person just because of his ethnicity. Well, there are or, Jews that convert to Christians. There are Jews that convert to being Muslims, just like anybody else. Yeah, I, I, and I don't mean that. I am I, not saying that. I'm not. I'm saying that there are Jews who are not even Jews. Well, that's what Jesus says, that not everyone born of Abraham is necessarily a Jew. Uh, What we're talking about is a spiritual. He's talking about the spiritual Judea and spiritual Israel are those who who follow the they they are children of Abraham in the sense of uh, of the the, the faith of Abraham. Uh, They they're it's not genetic uh, uh, affiliation with Abraham, but it's the the affiliation of faith that that they become. So if. If if you agree with that, then the, it doesn't mean that every every person who's a Jew isn't automatically a part of the people of God, right? He's well. Uh, in all fairness, I need to say that a substantial number of Jews feel that it's open to every person of every nation, but they do feel that the genetic descendants of Abraham will always be a Jew, even if they're a, pros, uh, a an apostate Jew. In other words, suppose they became Muslim, suppose they became an uh, unbeliever, an atheist, mm-hmm. they will still have the same opportunity to return to obey God, to belong to the Jewish oh, yeah. nation. No one's saying no one has the opportunity to repent, to return to God. And, and this God. is why each uh, the Jews have the holidays of Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, mm-hmm. and you have that because that's your opportunity to return right. to God. But the only point I'm making is that there are Gentile unbelievers yes. in, in the spiritual sense, yes, about not sure. believing in true and living God, following sure. after God, and there are Jewish unbelievers. There are that's thousands true. and thousands of Jews. In fact, the great majority of the people who live in Israel today, you would say probably, are not not truly devoted, devout followers of... Well, I will tell you this, that I, did, I get a lot of texts and emails and things from Israel. 
And I will tell you, I saw something really funny just recently, that Obama has accomplished the impossible. (laughs) Do you know why? He actually united the secular, the most liberal, and the most conservative Orthodox Jews into one group because they all oppose this new Iran plan. So he accomplished the impossible because he got everybody in Israel to agree. It's like 98%. A a single opinion. But, of course, that's about... Iran and nuclear weapons and so on. We're not talking. That's not about spiritual issues of following after God and loving God and obeying His commands and committed to Him, devoted to Him. Uh-huh. But what we're talking about is that you're, there is this the union has taken place, and that through the work of Messiah, uh-huh. the wall of separation isn't there any longer. In other words, the believing those who truly love God and believe in Him and trust in Him. Whether Jew or Gentile, we've been we have now become one people. We've be trying to we've become spiritual Israel. We've become one. The, the, there is no separation now between us uh, of Jew and Gentile, and I think that's the oneness and the unity that's being spoken of. Uh, and I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I am think saying that we were not united into being a Greek and a Greek religion. The Greeks that gave up their false gods. Right, There's, right. No, yeah. no, no. I know I know you're trying to defend that and that's not even being questioned or okay. We're, okay. we're just we're just going with the the actual point yeah. that seems yeah. seemingly at least to me sure. that Jesus and Paul were making right. is okay. that Everybody's in. Yeah, Anybody yeah. that believes, and in it's the, been a principle of Judaism all of those centuries. In fact, that I would say it was that, never just about ethnic I, uh, Israel. The Jews never had the concept that exactly. it was just for ethnic Jews. Exactly. So uh, um, I think we've uh, ended up. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we've ended up kind of debating something that I don't. I'm not sure it was ever really, really an issue. But anyway, well, that's where we are. And people can give us a call if they like three four zero. Ninety-five, uh, We still do have some questions out there from the Psalms, but we haven't given you any questions. You know, we haven't from, given out the phone number. I just gave it. Oh, was that the number you just gave? Three four zero ninety five eighty five. I was yeah. missing that. So you, Yeah, that's all you needed, right? That's right? Well, we don't have any questions out from the book of Isaiah. Uh-huh. Well, let's give a couple. You want to give a couple? Yeah, we'll Go give for a couple. It. Make a couple of easy ones. All right, we've got a caller on the line. Yes, we do. Okay. Who's that? All right. Okay. Well, let's take him. Cause we, uh, okay. Well, no, let's get some questions right. out. So people Isaiah can... chapter 15 contains a message from Moab. What did the Moabs, from where did the Moab, Moabites descend? <laughs> the Moabites. Okay. Isaiah chapter 15 uh-huh. contains a message sure. for the people, the nation of Moab. Sure. From whom, or the people group, uh-huh. from whom did the Moabites descend? Well, give me a little bit of your background, your biblical yeah. knowledge there. Sure. And then in uh, your number 12, what nation fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy by destroying the city of Samaria? Look at chapter 28, verse 2 of Isaiah's and book. That, yes. And what was the capital of? Uh, uh, you can't say I that, can't can say you? it because that's, that's the answer to the yeah. previous one. And then what's the capital city of that nation? Yes, okay. there you go. Thanks. What nation fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy by yeah. destroying the yeah. city of Samaria? And what is the capital city of that nation? Yeah, that's right. a good, good yeah. way. Good right. going. Sorry. Let's go kick. Is this Rich? Is that right? Is that what I understand? Is Richard? Good yes. to talk to you, Rich. Thanks for calling back and calling in. Uh, I, had to, I had to drop off for something. Uh, well, you're back. I want to answer the uh, try and answer the first question. I think uh, Jacob mentioned the name one time, and you mentioned the name twice. I believe it's one of them is Abraham. 
Uh, you're talking about the several patriarchs that were that mentioned in Psalm 105. You're exactly yeah, right. Yeah, the first question that you asked. Yeah, Abraham hey, is I, indeed he mentioned. A, he gets a bell, Sophie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, is I'm going to answer the rest of that question. There was Abraham, Jacob is mentioned, Joseph is mentioned, Moses is mentioned, and Aaron is also mentioned. So we have those five, and you chose the correctly uh, the name of Abraham is one of the several one of the patriarchs mentioned in Psalm 105. Yep. Very good. Thank and you. And I'd for like to try and answer another question. Okay. The uh, um, catastrophes that hit uh, Egypt. Yes. I, I believe one of them was the locusts. Exactly right. Exactly. And, and that I is believe mentioned. one of them was a skin disease. Oh yes! Remember, they did have. Was it leprosy? Boils. They, they, boils, uh, boils, that, boils. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, but that see. one's. I, I have to. I, I go by memory. I yeah. think I told you that. But that one is not uh, mentioned in the Psalm 105. It is one of the oh, plagues. Oh, don't be picky. But no, no. His, he answered correctly the one about locusts. That is mentioned in Psalm yeah, 105. Yeah, because uh, he wanted. God wanted to affect their food supply, I believe, is why. Uh, well, it looks why. like it. You know, I've heard something about that, Rich, that. that all of these, all ten of the plagues, in some way, uh, there was also a connection between these plagues and the false gods of Egypt, and that each of these plagues, in a sense, was was striking a blow at, at some of the false gods. Well, they uh, had a lot of them. Yeah, they did. The gods of the Nile, you know, the water was turned to blood. Uh, there were frog or alligator gods. and that The reason thing. I didn't mention the uh, uh, blood in the river or the blood-covered river uh, was because everybody, uh, you know, it's so obvious. Yeah, that well, is. The, hey, this is very interesting. Do you know why the blood turned, uh, the river turned to blood? Algae. I don't uh, know. No, no, no. This is a religious thing. Uh, unless algae was the name of one of the babies they drowned in there. Oh. Uh, because there are all these things, Sophie's right, each one of these things were an Egyptian god. That's true. But also each one of these has some has some relationship. An example is where did they kill all the little Jewish babies? And they put them in the water so they would sink, so they wouldn't be upsetting to the human eye. And so they would drown them deep in the water. Suddenly, when the the river turns to blood, suddenly they have to deal with their horrible sin of killing children. Can I answer one more question? Sure. Yeah. I'd like that. Uh, uh, God was mad at uh, uh, Moses. Moses. Uh, uh, I think because uh, he broke the commandments when well, he saw he, what his people were doing when he came off the mountain. No, that okay. that is not but the exact. I thought I was on a roll, but I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the, he did something. Remember, they they were grumbling against Moses. Well, they, they made a compl- golden calf. I know that. Yeah. Well, in this particular incident, though, they were complaining because they didn't have any water, and oh. and Moses had. Uh, uh, gotten water from them before God had given instructed Moses a way to get water to come out of the rock. Yeah, but I remember. Remember what did Moses do in this particular case? He was told to speak to the rock the first time. I mean, I mean, strike the rock the first time. But in this instance, he was told to speak to the rock. And what did he do instead? Instead of speaking to the rock, he. Well, I thought he struck it with a twig or something. Yeah, he struck the rock. And that was his disobedience, because God had told him to speak to the rock, not strike the rock. His rod and hit it. 
Yeah, and, and and somehow there, I think Jacob would have something to say about this. It looks like there was a sense in which Moses was kind of taking personal credit for supplying the water. He wasn't giving glory, honor to God for doing it. Is that what is understood in that yeah, passage? Certainly, well? That certainly is one of the concepts there. And if well, you I'm really not going to take some no more of your time up. Would you, would you like us to send you a gift package? No, no, no. That that's I have too much fun just listening to the program. All right, well, okay. Thanks for calling in, Rich. We're glad to hear from you. Yeah. And actually, you'll find if something interesting, they'll give us elucidation. At the end of the book of Numbers, you'll see Moses talking about what happened and striking the rock. And then when it gets over there in Deuteronomy, he starts explaining it in more detail. But he says, hey, you know, I hit the rock. Okay, so it is one of the ideas that not just that he hit the rock. It also is the idea that uh, he was possibly taking credit for himself. He certainly did it out of anger. But he also... And we have to take note of this. Didn't God say something about like, you didn't honor me? as you Yes, said? that's it. He says, you didn't let everybody know that you were functioning for me. And see, this is one of the reasons, a deeper sense, if I may suggest, why he couldn't go into Israel. Because if he had crossed into Israel and completed... It, into Canaan. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was always Israel. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but so... If um, if he did that, then it would be portraying as if he started the journey with them and he delivered them by him not making the entire finishing of the trip and dying and getting buried and Joshua taking his place. Uh-huh. That showed that, of course, that it was not Moses doing all this. It was a human representative of God, and God was the main character. And it was God who was bringing exactly. him out sure. of Egypt and into the promised yeah, land. Sure. Okay. I, uh, that makes sense to me, and I and I didn't. It seems to be caught in the text there of what it uh, is saying. That seems to be the general message that we're we agree upon. That well, okay. Let me give a few more questions here. What special bread did the Lord provide for the Israelites in the wilderness? And that comes from Psalm one hundred and five, verse forty. What special bread or food there did the Lord provide for the Israelites in the wilderness? And when the Israelites complained for lack of meat, what meat, what did God supply for them? And that's also found in Psalm 105, verse 40. So we've got what special provision of bread and meat was made for the people of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. And then let's go back down into Isaiah. Uh, The questions were, uh, who, from whom did the Moabites descend? So what what can you tell us about the people of Moab? How did they, you know, what was the uh, how did they come to exist? What what was their uh, ancestry? How did they that people group begin? And then what nation fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy? Chapter twenty eight, verse two. What nation fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy by destroying the city of Samaria, which was the capital city? Well, the final capital city of the ten northern tribes of Israel. They had several capital cities during their uh, existence. But the final capital city was Samaria. What nation fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy prophecy by destroying the city of Samaria? What nation did that? And then what was the capital city of that nation? And, and it, it's a city that's named in the book of? 
Jonah. Jonah. Okay, you remember. So you, that. everybody, will know that name. We're you can get, answer we're that. We're giving one. you a hint. Uh, right. We're giving away presents. Okay, and here's another. This is going to be a kind of a Bible memory. If you memorize this verse, you'll know the answer to this. In so, uh, in Isaiah, chapter twenty-six, verse three. I always enjoy. I love this verse. Uh, I memorized it early on as a child, and I've always. Uh, in fact, it has been made into a song as well. In in chapter 26, verse 3 of Isaiah, what is promised to those whose thoughts are fixed and focused on God himself? What is promised to those whose thoughts are focused and fixed on God? Thou will keep him in. And, and then it tells what, what uh, promise is given to those whose minds are stayed on God. All right? And where do they find the answer? Chapter 26, verse 3. Of Isaiah. Ah, boy, I like Isaiah. I just think that his book is so powerful. And, of course, to to me as a, a follower after Messiah, Isaiah is so powerful because of so many references. Uh, it seems to me very clear references to the Redeemer, that anointed one, that Messiah who would come. And, and um, I, I just find it beautiful. And, of course, that's where we get Handel's Messiah. It comes from uh, the book of Isaiah. A, a great, a, a whole bunch of great music, praise and worship music, uh, come from the book of Isaiah. So it's it's a, an exciting book for us to um, to be in. Let me give you this. Here's another general knowledge question about uh, the book of Isaiah. Uh, I told you that uh, Isaiah... His prof, his prophetic ministry took place during the time of many different kings. Jewish tradition holds that Isaiah uh, was killed finally. He died by being sawn in half in a log by which king of Judah? The tradition says that Isaiah was cut in half. He was hiding in a log or in a tree trunk, and he was cut in half uh by a wicked king of Judah. Which king of Judah is uh, traditionally thought is the one who killed this great prophet Isaiah? That's how they knew how old he was. They cut him in half and counted his rings. Counted the rings. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Okay, that guy needs to... We've got a few minutes. All right, let's let's go to who's on the line? Roger. Roger that. Hi, Roger. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing really fine, and I'm glad you're calling in tonight. Uh, do you call to answer some questions or to maybe kind of jump into some of our discussion about? <laughs> um, I just had one quick question. Um, I was just wondering, like, if, if, if like the Bible, was it written by God himself or just um, people that was living in those, those times? Good, excellent question. You want to get Jacob? Or you want to take oh, a shot at that first? Excellent question for Jacob. Oh yeah. well, I, I, I got it. Well, I you all right, I'll answer it after you, Sophie. Okay. Uh, I, I tell you what, Roger. Essentially, my understanding is that the prophets. Uh, we're told this in. Um, I'm, I'm looking for the passage in my Bible now. That holy men of God in the book of Hebrews, holy men of God spoke as they were moved and as they're motivated by the Holy Spirit, and that. So it was, God wrote it, but it wasn't uh, what's called robotic. It wasn't that God took their hand and made them move and made them write these words. He used their experience. He used their personality. He used their vocabulary. 
Some of the prophets were farmers. Uh, some of the prophets were very educated people. Uh, and, but he used their backgrounds and their experience and their personalities and his what he had revealed to them of himself. And he inspired them and, and moved them to write down the, the, the true things that they had learned from God. And that's that's why the idea of the Bible as being God-breathed or inspired, but it did not negate the personality of the individual. They they wrote from the freedom of that, of that context of their relationship with the true and living God, and God stirred in them and moved them and caused them to to write the things they wrote. So it's it's inspiration. It's not uh, it's not mechanical, robotic. You know them writing, going into some kind of a catatonic state and, and writing out what they didn't know. Does that make sense to you at all? Yes, I definitely agree. I'm sorry, I can't hear Roger. You're going to have to speak up a little louder, Roger. I'm sorry. Uh-oh, we've lost Roger. Roger, are you there? There you go, that's better. Yes, I'm still here. Okay, now go ahead and talk. To, say what you were saying. Oh, yes, I said I totally agree because I've always been the type of person that really don't fight about who's the messenger. I just worry about the message. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And that's, that's what I feel like is very important. Yeah. Well, that seems to be the, what the message of the New Testament is, that these men of God were moved and stirred, but he didn't, he didn't overcome their personality and their personhood. They spoke out of their living relationship with the true and living God using their vocabulary, their intelligence, their... Uh, their backgrounds, some of them, like I said, spoke with farmer's language and used uh, the, uh, examples from the farm. Others used examples from uh, from fishing and from uh, from their edu- from all of their different backgrounds. Uh, Jacob, you want to? Yeah, I'll just say, yeah, I would basically just agree with everything Soapy said. Uh, and to me, it always struck me as odd that a person would say, well, I believe, whether well, I'm a Jew or Christian, whatever, I believe in God, I believe it's a word, but I really don't believe the Bible. That always somewhat troubled me. And I will tell you this. Are you there, Roger? Great. Let me give you just a quick analysis about something. I only got a second. Uh Um, They have found Torah scrolls from all around the world from Jews that had no connection with each other whatsoever. And yet they find them. They've been apart for 1,500 years or more, 2,000 maybe. And yet when they compare them, the letters and the spaces are identical. Therefore, I think that is proof that it came from God at Mount Sinai because something had to be so important, so relevant, that everybody was very careful to always keep it correct and not change things. A tremendous amount of care was taken as they copied these, made these copies by hand and sent them forward. It, it is an amazing study. It truly is. Thanks, Roger, for calling. Good to hear from you. Well, Isaiah 15 contains a message from Moab. Remember Lot and his daughter by incest. They were the ones who created the nation of Moab. Manasseh was the wicked king that killed Isaiah. Uh, Quail and manna were the two the Bible Live is dedicated that God to gave to the people of Israel. Nineveh culture. was the capital of Assyria that destroyed Samaria, the last capital Mailing of the ten northern tribes. See you next week, folks. I hope you'll join us. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. 
visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 